What's happening, everybody? Welcome to a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. Hopefully, you enjoyed Houston night last night where we had five guys that stepped in the studio with Mark and I on media days last Monday and had a connection to the city of Houston or greater Houston, Tascacita, Travis High School in Fort Bend District, Fort Bend Marshall. Jacob Martin, uh, he got a little Houston credit because he's got family um, in the Houston area. And he's boomerang, boomeranging. Is that the right way of saying that? He's a boomerang back to Houston. So I felt like that was good. Um, and Kendall Sheffield, who I said for Fort Ben Marshall. So Steven Sims from Travis, that was fun. Austin Deculus from Cy Fair. So we had Houston night last night. Tonight is all about the O-line. And in particular, the interior O-line. This first segment is going to be a couple of players that are new to the city of Houston. Second segment will be an interior offensive lineman that was here in Houston last year. And then I ran out of offensive lineman, so we're going to have a little in the lab with my man Drew Doherty. Because we talked about something that we actually did a couple of years ago that was really, really fun. So uh, I want you to go back and take a read, take a listen to what we did. It was a really uh, interesting and fun kind of diving down deep in the lab, dorking out sort of exercise. So hopefully you'll like that. Now, it is offensive lineman night. So we're going to start off with two players in this first segment that are new and got here in different ways. One via the draft and one via free agency. So we'll start with our second round draft pick. That's Juice Scruggs. Had a good time meeting Juice, getting to uh, learn his story. Man with a smile on his face almost 24-7. I can understand why after what he's been through at Penn State to get where he is as the 62nd pick in the draft, I believe it was. Juice Scruggs with Mark, myself, right here to kick off Texans All Access at Offensive Lineman Night, the rookie from Penn State. Let's go. Juice Scruggs joining us on Texans Radio. All right, so how's it been so far? Welcome. Welcome yeah. to the studio where yeah. you will be a frequent visitor, we hope. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, things have been great. Uh, just getting adjusted to Houston and uh, just happy to be here. Okay, I know what the answer is going to be, but what's been the biggest adjustment to Houston outside of football? What's been the biggest adjustment to Houston being down here? The heat. Yeah, yeah. There the it is. heat by there far. I have not been, uh, only been to Texas once. Really? I went to Dallas. Uh, we had the Cotton Bowl. Right, right, right. Uh, played Memphis? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yep, played Memphis. Uh, I didn't even play that game, so I don't even know like, yeah. what the heat's about. But definitely, that heat's different. It's different. Wait till training camp. Yeah, I've no heard. Offense. I've heard. No, that, just listen. All the water you have, you, you drink that as much as you possibly can. I got and, you. And don't worry what the scale says at the end of practice. <laughs> you can get it back when you're in Houston. But it, not knowing much about Texas, when you are drafted by the Texans, what are you thinking about at that point? What are you thinking about when you got that call, man? I'm going to Houston. Like, wait a second, Houston. What, yeah, right. What, what was that like? First and foremost, I was just thanking God. Uh, it was just a dream come true. But yeah, when I when I got the call from Houston, I was like, "Oh, Houston!" Like I just heard great things about the city, but I don't, I didn't know much. Right. So definitely, uh, it was like a kind of like a shock to be honest. And the first thing I I took people told me was they have great food, and I was hooked. There you that, go. That's that's that was that was a great place to start. Yeah. Juice Scruggs joining us when you're playing center or guard. Like, what's the difference for you as a rookie, especially in the system? I mean, yeah. You're right next to it, but it's a different position. Yeah, no, uh, definitely uh, just at center, you just got a lot more things to do. Uh, just got to be more vocal. You got to get everybody on the same page. And just at guard, really, it's 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 kind of like the same thing for real because uh, at guard, you have to know, like, where the ID is stuff too. So it makes it easier playing guard after you play center because you mm -hmm. already know, like, what's going. the calls are going to happen. 
So it, it's kind of it's, it's it's like a little adjustment, but it's kind of like the same position almost. But the speed of the lineman, the lineman you're facing. Yeah. You're not wearing pads right now, mm -hmm. so you're thinking, oh boy, in pads, this is going to be a little bit different. Yeah, you know, definitely. When we get real physical. Definitely, definitely. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely the speed, uh, get-offs. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a great get-off. Yep. Uh, in college, you you know, some guys have good get-offs, and some guys are just like, why are they out here on the field? But <laughs> here, everybody has, everybody's here for a reason, for yeah. sure. Well, I feel like there's one game in particular, it may not be a great memory because you didn't win it, but I felt like the way you performed against Michigan, against Mozzie Smith, yeah. was a big reason why you're sitting here today because that guy does have NFL potential. He does go in the first round. He went to the Dallas Cowboys. You went against him, and you not only held your own, there were a number of times where you went one-on-one -on -one and, and took his lunch money in some sense. Did you kind of feel your momentum growing throughout last year um, that, hey, man, I, I feel like I'm getting better and better. I'm going against the best guys, and I'm having success. Do you kind of see this happening, that you could end up being a high day two pick like you were? Uh, absolutely. Uh Definitely, I, I never doubted myself. I always believed in myself. Uh, it was a lot of, you know, I tried not to look, but it's hard. You know, you yeah. see them, the reports and the uh, projections and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man. But it was just fuel to the fire uh, that people were just rating me that low. And I was like, okay, I have a lot of work to do. But definitely as the season went on, I definitely felt myself getting better and better. Like, And I will say probably after that Michigan game, Things were just slowed down. Yeah. I, I don't know what it was, but it was just like the game just slowed down incredibly. And I was just like, oh, yeah, I think, think, think this, yeah, I think yeah. this is the year. Yeah. All right. So, Juice, a thousand years ago, I used to work in State College, Pennsylvania mm -hmm. in radio. So what will you miss the most about that area? <laughs> Got to be the stadium. Yeah. Beaver, man. <laughs> that stadium uh, is unlike any other place I've been. Uh, when it's when it's packed, mm -hmm. it's different. But even like when we would have like uh, spring practices or like uh, training camp practices in the stadium and it's empty, it's just, it gives you goosebumps to be honest with you. And I think that's definitely what I'm gonna miss the most. Your your story is pretty amazing when you start diving into it. You know, the car accident, which I don't know if you like talking about it or not, Juice, but it is something that you had to overcome, that adversity. So it's it's physical, but it's also mental. Things you had to get over due to that car accident to get to where you are now. What was kind of the biggest thing that, A, you found out about yourself during that time frame, but also, B, what helped you get through that period to get where you are now as well? Uh, yeah, I would say what I found out about myself was definitely uh, that I'm resilient. Uh, definitely going through something like that, it wasn't easy. It was hard for sure, but it just uh, it showed me that you know no matter what's thrown at you, you can handle it and you can overcome it. And it was really just my family, my girlfriend, and my brothers at Penn State yeah. that got me through that time because it was definitely a, a low point in my life. Yeah, sure. I'm still on this state college thing, and I can't believe you didn't say the creamery, right? I mean, do you <laughs> I mean, that's what everybody says, right? Yeah, yeah, I a mean, lot of people. Me, I, freshman year, I went there a lot. But yeah. after that, I got serious, you know, started yeah. taking a little bit more serious. That's what science uh, department, nutrition <laughs> department had, yeah. had a discussion with you? Most definitely. Uh, so the creamery is definitely something I miss, but I try mm -hmm. to stay as far as possible from there because it can get dangerous there. Just right. a, a bucket list item for me. Mark's had a chance to do it because he – called Miami Hurricanes game. So he called a game in the Rose Bowl mm -hmm. with the Canes winning a national championship. I've never been there. I wanted to go. But you played your last game yes, in the sir. Rose Bowl against Utah. How special a moment was that for you and the seniors? I know Sean Clifford, they you know talked a lot about Sean, and that was his last game. But it was also yours as well. What was that like playing your last game in the Rose Bowl? Uh, it was amazing. It was definitely like you couldn't have read a better story. 
uh, just because I grew up, you know, just seeing all those big games in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. And actually, the um, I watched the uh, the Saquon yeah, when, yeah, they, yeah. when they faced USC. Yeah, yep. And that was a heartbreaker loss. But uh, just being in that stadium, for, for especially my last game, which I didn't I didn't know at the time. Yeah. But just to have that, have that, uh, have that, my last game there in that atmosphere, it was unbelievable. And that was my first time in California too. Really? So yeah, it was. <laughs> it was just all like a dream come true to yeah. be honest. That's all really right, cool. Erie, Pennsylvania. Give me something you love about Erie that people listening might be able to gravitate toward. Maybe it makes them want to visit Erie, Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Prescott, uh, the beaches. Okay. Uh, there's like. Really? On Lake Erie. Yeah, don't don't miss. I uh, could be wrong. Don't okay. don't quote me on this, but I believe there's twelve, eleven or twelve beaches mm-hmm. at Prescott, and wow. you can just drive and there's different and it's beaches. Nice. It's so they've super nice because when I was growing up, Lake Erie didn't have the greatest rep. So Lake yeah. Erie's in much better shape now. Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, if you're in Erie, go to Prescott. Uh, okay. Especially in the summertime, I wouldn't say go. go to Erie during the wintertime though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it snows nah. crazy there. So you like it, honest man. Juice, thanks a lot for joining us. Yes, Good sir. luck to you. Thank you guys. Yeah, I asked him that question about the Rose Bowl because that's a bucket list item for me. And unless they move the Super Bowl there, or I end up at UCLA, which I don't see happening, uh, probably not going to happen. I have to go to the Rose Bowl as a fan at some point. So. Uh, maybe that's down the road uh, on a New Year's Day in the middle of the week, maybe, so I can get out there and get back. I don't know. Either way, point being, Rose Bowl is always a bucket list item for yours truly. All right, guy that played at Wisconsin and ended up playing in a Rose Bowl was Michael Dieter. Throughout OTAs and minicamp, those four weeks of practice we got to see, felt like Dieter day after day, you're like, oh, okay. He's with this group. He's now with this group. Oh, boy, he's now with the ones. Now he's running with the ones. Michael Dieter, I think, is going to play a very important role. In fact, when I did an article for HoustonTexans.com on the Ultimate 11 players, I'm most intrigued about going into training camp for a, a myriad of reasons. Michael Dieter was one of those. I got a feeling he's going to play a pretty big role. And I'll say this about him. Damn, he's big. And not like East 350, that kind of thing. I shook his hand, his hand engulfed mine. Mine's, my hands are like size 10 and a quarter, 10 and a half. They're pretty massive hands. He swallowed my hands. Love an interior lineman with some grip strength. That is Michael Dieter, and he joins us right now. All right, Michael Dieter joining us on Texans Radio. All right, tell us about this O-line, Michael. Like, how has it been fitting into the system, how it differs from what you were doing last year? Um, the O-line's great. There's a lot of talent. There's a, a really good mix of you know, vets who've been there, played a lot of football, great leaders, and then young talent, and then guys in between. And then scheme-wise, it's, it's definitely similar to what I was doing last year in Miami. Um, but it's always got a little differences here and there. But it's really good. It's a great scheme for an alignment for every position, really. It's a scheme where guys are cutting it loose, playing fast, um, just trusting what they see and trusting your talent, really. And have the ability to go make plays at receiver, timing, all that stuff. It's a really fun offense. It can be super explosive and super consistent. So, Michael, there are people that will say, ah, there's not a whole lot of difference between guard and center. I mean, come on. It's like one spot, three feet, one way or the other. But there really is. Is there not? You've played, you've played both. Yeah, there's are a they, ton. Are they truly different? I mean, I'm sure there's some similarities, but are they that different when you're playing both? Like, for you, center or guard, you have a preference? How do you look at playing those two positions? Um, both of them, they definitely are similar. 
I mean, there's a ton of similarities, but there's a lot of differences. Definitely mentally centered, you just got to be the vocal one. Yeah. You got to be the one to get everything ironed out, make sure everyone's on the same page. And sometimes, depending on defense, you don't even have a guy over the top of you. Right. And it could be a little physically easier that day, but you're helping your guards who have crazy matchups with really good three techs, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then guard, it's mentally not as much because you're not saying as much, but obviously it has its stuff, but... It's not much different. I mean, it's good either way. I like to play both of them. Right. Um, guards just a little more space, a little more athleticism, I'd say, out of the guys you see. But either one's fine with me. They're both fun. Michael Dieter joining us. So you're in Miami with Mike McDaniel, right, who actually was here. I don't know if you're aware of that. You probably are. At one point, he was here as a uh, quality control level coach. Mm-hmm. And obviously, D'Amico Ryan's played here, and they were together in San Francisco. So compare and contrast so far, Michael, McDaniel and D'Amico Ryan's head coaching <laughs> regime. <laughs> well, I mean, they both bring good energy, yeah. which mm -hmm. is what you want in a head coach. Um, they're both funny, obviously in different ways. D'Amico's funny in his way. Mike's funny in his way, um, which is great for bringing a locker room together and, and getting guys to buy in and it's been good to see his personality. Obviously, it's way different than Mike's. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, he brings good energy. He's The, the team meetings are, are super um, about the players and what you're doing well. Right. And if it's something that you can clean up, the way he brings it to your attention is super productive. You know, like, here's why this needs cleaned up, and he'll show you what works and why it works technique-wise, stuff like that, which is – Beautiful to get from a head coach instead of always maybe like a berating or something like that. Yeah. Just bringing guys along and making sure that they know it's important and they know, you know, you're working to get it right. But the energy, the having fun, that's all there, which is it's fun to, fun to see. It's fun to be a part of. Okay, you're from, so, you're from Ohio. You got to Wisconsin as fast as you could. Then you go to Miami. What kind of culture shock is it to go from Madison, Wisconsin down – to South Florida, South Beach, and Miami. I was so lost when I got down there. <laughs> I couldn't. I could barely drive around. I'd get lost. Um, I thought it was a culture shock going from Curtis, Ohio, to Madison. Yeah. I was like, "Wow, this is a big city living." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Madison's crazy. I got <laughs> to South Florida. I was like, "Madison is <laughs> tiny." Like, I didn't know yeah. anything at all. I couldn't even interact with people. No one would talk to me. They weren't as friendly. I was so like confused at first, yeah. but I got to like it over yeah. the years. It just took a little time. Yeah. So uh, here's another heat question, because we've talked to a number of guys. South Florida heat and humidity versus Houston heat and humidity. I was convinced it wasn't going to be any worse here, and it, it definitely is. I think it's because <laughs> it's got to be the wind. Like, there's less wind. Yeah. Maybe you're not as close to the ocean. I don't know. See, people in Houston think there is wind. And there is wind compared to Dallas, right? Mm -hmm. But Miami, yeah. you're on the coast. You're closer to it. Yeah. Closer to an ocean anyway. For sure. Instead of the Gulf. Yeah, I don't know about that. But that being said, <laughs> why Houston? What made Houston the right opportunity for you? Um, I think D'Amico was a big part of it. Um, coming from San Francisco, being a former player, and then obviously O-line-wise it was an opportunity to come in and maybe compete at center, yep. depth of guard, all that stuff. It was good. But when you're signing in free agency, you want to make sure you're going to be happy and right. compete. Sure. as well it's not all like it can't always be about the opportunity to play which is obviously important but are you going to compete is it going to be a good locker room right and 
when I took my visit and after talking to him and just kind of knowing a former player and someone who's been a cool staff to begin with is probably going to be a fun fit and going to be a good coach and make me a better player, and it'll be a good locker room to be a part of. Okay, I've been wondering about this. Yeah. You said you came on a visit, right? Mm -hmm. Do you remember when you came? Gosh, it was... Or better yet, mid-March. So was rodeo here? It just the day it ended, the day after, because okay. they were picking up dirt. And okay, they said I've, I've just always been curious it. about this because when rodeo takes over the building, which it does in March, it's 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 unique, and I've always wondered how prospective free agents when they walk in and they're like, "Man, why is it so dusty? What's that? Oh, yeah. Why am I hearing music?" Mm -hmm. And you look out in the bowl, and there's you know a concert. So I've, I'm always curious about how the rodeo kind of plays in any way, shape, or form. Because Devin Singletary said it too. Oh, yeah, I came on a visit, and I got a good vibe from it. So I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, wait a second. Was he here for rodeo? They so, were just cleaning it all up. I was kind of sad I, I missed okay. it, actually. Oh, really? They were, they were telling me all about it. It sounds like a blast. Yeah, you, you'll, if you like to eat, you like some music, and you like watching some rodeo events, yeah, it's a pretty good event. But you yeah, did get to like see graduations galore. A lot so. of good, there's like a new graduation every day. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's a big it's building, cool. so yeah, it's, it's, it's convenient for that. It's not that. a bad spot yeah. to be. All right, Michael, thanks a lot for joining us. Good luck to you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That was fun getting to know those two gentlemen, Juice Scruggs and Michael Dieter. Now, let's get to a guy that we know very, very well. He is the third of the Quisenberries. First, there was David. Then there was Paul. And then there was Scott. We started at center all year last year. We had a really interesting conversation with Scott, both off the air, and on the air. You'll get the on the air part next right here on Texans All Access. Yes, sir, it's time for Scotty Q right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. For your Houston Texans, it's kind of time for good old 54, Scott Quisenberry, to join us. We have interviewed all three Quisenberries, have just loved all three of them. You talk about a tremendous family out of the San Diego area, those three gentlemen, my goodness. Scott, just tremendous on the mic. And I thought he was very honest and forthright with all of his comments here as Mark and I caught up with him during media days. And we talked about anything and everything uh, as it pertained to last year, this year, how he fits, all that kind of stuff. Good stuff here from Scott Quesenberry. You're the quarterback of the offensive <laughs> line, Scott. And I know this is a different system, so how's that going, that adjustment for you? Uh, really well. Um, you know, I really enjoy the system a lot. Uh, it's a system I've admired for a really long time, um, a system that I thought I've, you know, been a really good fit in mm -hmm. for pretty much since I started, you know, watching football and thinking, you know, being in the NFL is an option. The Shanahan system, guys like Alex Mack, um, guys that I just, you know, kind of have like watched and been like, I can, I can do that. I can, you know, kind of take things of his game, put it in my toolbox and like that. And now just being in the system, you can see why, but it really is, it fits everybody. It's, which is great, you know, from top to bottom, we've all kind of, we're buying into this, uh, to the philosophy and, you know, within our own room, we're kind of doing the same thing. We're, uh, learning the ins and outs and the way guys work Strauss and pop and how they, what makes them click, and we're just trying to mesh right now, which I think is going to be a really good thing for us. So along those lines, this will be the third year because obviously in 21 you're with the Chargers, 22 you're here, but then coaching change happens. So now you're on your third different offensive line coaching group, and you're learning new verbiage. As you go through all that, Scott, how how tough is that to, okay, George Warhop wanted this, yeah. Strauss and Pop want this, 
the verbiage says this. Like, how is kind of taking all of that in, and how important is that to do that through two OTAs and mini camp to get it done before you start training camp? Well, I think really big part of it is like the foundation is is you know like the you run the same plays. Everyone right. runs the same plays. It's how how can we manipulate these plays to make them ours, right? And I think that's kind of how we uh, how we're like what we're learning right now, right, right? Right. And I think as far as the verbiage goes, that's just kind of oh hey, like we'll be in meetings and be like hey, this was this play for us last year, which but it's is, this you know, this year, it's yeah. this this year. This was this term last year, but it's this this year. And that way you can kind of go back and look through your notes and be like oh, you know, like a whatever, you know, won't make yeah. any sense to you. Like a three-man inside isn't over this year, sure. whereas last year it was a trio or whatever. Right. Right. So um, that's kind of how you do it, just like looking back at your notes and, you know, studying and yeah. making sure everybody's going home and doing their doing Not bad. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. That's exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> so we were asking Deculus about getting oh, fined geez. for doing things, <laughs> and he was so hesitant to answer anything about getting fined. Do you guys get fined for answering something about getting fined among the offensive linemen? Because – in ten years ago, guys would speak freely about getting yeah. fined. Is um, that not is that a taboo subject? Well, that's just Deck trying to be. You know, we've given him a hard time, <laughs> so uh, you know he's just trying to just do right by the online. But we keep it in our room, you know. But mm. no, there's no real secrets. We don't really have any secrets. We there's fines, you know, late fine. You know, there's fines for there's big fines, there's small fines, but no, there's not really anything if you were to ask me no we haven't started the fine system this year so I oh, couldn't. so there's okay. amnesty right now yeah, there's yeah. Amnesty, so we can ask yeah, you yeah, anything. exactly uh you are an interesting group and i mean not just here but just the offensive linemen in general um pretty simple why what makes you guys there's something about the offensive line that's like intriguing and yet because i know a lot of people look and say oh yeah you're 300 pound but you're not you guys are you're just a unique group what makes you guys so different and unique i don't know i honestly i think the craziest thing is everyone in the o-line room is completely different right you have guys that are just all from all different walks of life right. which is cool so you get to learn and we're the biggest group right right not in terms of mass which we are but right. like in terms of numbers, <laughs> numbers we yeah. are the biggest group you know majority of the time you know d-line sometimes gets up there and then the defensive backs but the defensive backs usually split safeties and corners yeah. we're really the only group that uh is together all the time and I think that's probably part of it. So we get to like we learn a ton about each other, and it's, it's you know it's awesome. And like I said, being from all different walks of life really helps us kind of blend and mesh and become such a tight knit group. And I think that's something that's really special here is we do have a really really tight knit group. And even with like Juice, JP, yeah. um, Beach, Killian, and Deathridge coming in, um, they've they've fit easily. And it's been it's been. You know, it's been a great offseason so far. Excited to get this thing started for real. Scott, can you tell us what David's journey has meant to you and mm -hmm. how it's influenced or inspired you? Because, what, 2013 draft class, yeah. right? And then everything that happens to him health-wise and yeah. eventually turns into a really solid contributor in the league. And it took a while, obviously, with everything he had to go through. But is that another lesson? Just, hey, you yeah. stick with it for I mean, a lot it's, of players. It's for sure. Definitely that. Um, you know, I... There were times where I, I'm sure he'll tell you the same thing. There were times where I thought he was probably not going to ever lace him up again. Um, so for him to make it as far as he has is, you know, he's running on bonus time um, for sure. But, yeah, like you said, he's playing great ball. He played great ball in Buffalo last year, um, played good for Tennessee. Um, 
But, you know, just from his story and what he's gone through, being able to just kind of, like, look back on it, you can just draw for inspiration from him knowing that, like, it's hot and it's humid and, you know, <laughs> you might have been having a bad practice, but just to be out there, you're just so lucky. You know, mm -hmm. you're you're out there with the best players in the world and, um, you know, there's people that are going through things that you could not ever even imagine. And uh, for us to be in the situation that we're in, you know, we're just – you know, truth, truly blessed to be able there and play a game and bring joy to the city of Houston. And yeah. All right. That was such a wonderful answer. I hate doing this, but you ready for some either or worse? Sure. These are very simple. Okay. I'm asked this one. I asked Kadar Holman and he was like, I have no idea. Okay. Wow. Well. <laughs> there were two concerts that were here at NRG Stadium in oh, May. Oh, no. I'm going to guess Taylor Swift and Ed Sheeran. You Which are correct. Which one would you sir? pick? Either Taylor Swift or Ed Sheeran? Free tickets. You get to go to either right. Taylor Swift or Ed Sheeran. <laughs> Taylor, Taylor Swift. Okay. I would say Taylor Swift, but here's my thing is Ed Sheeran. I have friends that have seen Ed Sheeran and they say it's like the greatest concert you'll ever really? see yep. in your entire life. I've heard the same about Taylor he does Swift. Does a lot of but it yeah, I've heard the same about Taylor Swift, but I'm going to pick Taylor Swift cuz I think just seeing the spectacle of what it brings would be would be fascinating. Does okay. your bride agree? Yes, absolutely. Okay. okay. Married, do you have kids? No kids yet. Okay, but when you have kids. Okay. Let's say that you have kids, emergency comes up, you and your wife got to take off and your kids are there and you're like we got to do something. Who makes for the better baby emergency babysitter, either Laramie Tunsil or Titus Howard? LT. Really? Wow. You're with LT? Yeah. Okay. LT uh, is just like a, like, he's like a calm, like, presence. I get always. it. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah, totally. he's just smooth, like, like, the music he listens to, you know, he just has this, like, calming presence about him. Never panicked, ever. I'm not saying Titus is, right. but I'm just saying LT. It's no, like that's a good point. Very, you, very. You, what, need that, you need that with with little kids, for yeah. sure. What do people not know about him? Is that one of the things? I think everything. I think <laughs> LT is, like, the most, like, mysterious man in the NFL. He's, like, very to himself, and he just, mm -hmm. he just comes in and balls out, man. So we noticed when he was named captain yeah. midway through last year, and it was this this infectious kind of thing going on. Yeah. I mean, I felt the energy from it. For sure. Just doing what I do. So no doubt. what was that like for you guys? It was awesome. Um, you know, to see him put into that role uh, was really cool because, you know, a lot of the times people think captain, they think got to be all oh, like getting the team together right. and hooting rah, rah, and rah, rah. But like LT is a true example of like by example, he goes out there, he doesn't come in, he never complains. Freaking, like I said, he just, balls out and when you do that and you're in the respect of your teammates like that man it's easy to just kind of gravitate towards his nature and it's it's really fun working with him i, I mean man it's it's awesome so that night play. that he was named captain was against philadelphia so i ask you this question there have been rumors about uniform changes and all this there's a new permanent helmet either battle red or liberty white I didn't use the current one. Yeah, I'm not saying so there's going to be, one. but you got to pick between the the battle one red. we wore against the Eagles or Liberty White one, which we've never worn. Battle red. How yeah. sweet was that? that They're night? sweet, man. That was nice. It was like the because like when you get the night game in there, yeah, like yeah. the stands, yeah. like there's like this mm. ominous darkness that is brought over all of the people in the stands, and then the 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 red just popped so good. I'm sure the white would look great, but I gotta go with the red. The yeah, battle I have to go with the red. All right, last. You one. have just made the decision for yes, the entire <laughs> franchise. <laughs> Done. It's red. Scott says so. Last one. You guys did a team activity the other day. It was bowling. You get to pick a team activity. Either stay with bowling or Go-karts. Bowling or go-karts? Is it indoors? Can I throw a wild card in there? Sure. Go ahead. Paintballing. 
Ooh, Ooh. the Jacks okay. did that. Yeah, there are some yeah. teams that have done that. Yeah, paintball. Are you a big paintballer or just you like you've done uh, it? Well, I mean, you're I, no, I'm not a big paintballer, but every time I go paintballing, I'm like, dang, that was so much freaking okay. fun. Yeah, Does it, it is fun. I've been once and we talked <laughs> uh, about it for hours. Depends on like, you know, if you're playing with like those pro guys that have those like souped up, tricked out. <laughs> it's like, what's that? Tricked paint? out paintball guns. <laughs> we, <laughs> we had one, one like, time. It felt I like played. a rock. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is that paint? Yeah. Yeah. One time I played, the one time I played, we were with one guy like that. He had paintballs and these belts and yep. things. He was pulling stuff out. I'm like, I don't want to play with you. I want to play with guys like me that are yeah. just out there having fun. That's an and armor piercing paintball. He's yeah. not allowed. Exactly. Hand signals like exactly. you see down on the sidelines. I'm like, no, bro, just shoot. That's all, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. All right, we'll suggest that. We'll put right. that in the suggestion right. Perfect. Box. In the suggestion no, right box. Yeah. Scott, Definitely. thanks a lot for being with us. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. I love that he talked about fit in this offense because I think that's really important for a player that, and there have been some, uh, along the way for, for many years for the Texans that didn't fit in a particular system. Next year, co new coach came along and put in a new system, and looky here, it actually fits. Wow, this guy can play. Yeah, you get a guy in the right system, and you never know what he can do, and hopefully that's what it's going to be for Scott Quesberry. Now, we ran out of offensive linemen because we had Austin Deculus and Kenny Green last night, and now we got three offensive linemen tonight. So Drew Dory is my honorary offensive lineman. We do a little in the lab next right here on Texans All Access. We got one final segment of this edition of Texas All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst. Time to go in the lab with my man, Drew Doherty. And we took a look back at an exercise that we did actually a couple off-seasons ago, which was a blast, actually. Draft a team of 32, one player from each organization's all you get. Now, it sounds easy. Like, oh, I'll get this guy. And, that, and then just, you start figuring out, wait a second, those guys are from the same team. Oh, boy. Then you got to figure out, okay, which teams have very few prospects that I would draft, and that's how I went about it. So we talked about that right here on In the Lab. Take a listen. So I want to revisit something. Two years ago in March, times were lean around Ooh. here. Yeah. Lean with a capital L. Mm -hmm. Texans were coming off 2020. 2020 did not go well. They didn't have a first-round pick in 21. There was lots of question marks. The stuff with Deshaun Watson was uh, – right in the thick of it so it was tough you and i didn't have a whole lot to talk about that was positive you know we'd kind of run out of bullets there and you could talk about the draft but just people don't really care as much when mm -hmm. you're not picking until what was that 70 something 65 yeah 70 60, 65 65 yeah so we had to divert and do different things and i came up with an idea that i'd seen off of twitter and somebody was somebody had done it with major league baseball but the premise was you can pick one player and one player only from each of the major league baseball teams, major league baseball franchise. So I think there's 30, we've got 32 in the NFL, but 30. Yep. So you can take any Astro you want and put them on the team. But once you take him, you can't go back and take another Astro, right? You can only take one Yankee. You can take Babe Ruth, but right. you're not going to come back to the well and take Mickey Mantle or right. Yogi Bear or anything. So right. I thought, why, yeah. don't, why don't I do that with my pal, John, and you can take whoever you want in any order, but you can only take one guy from one team. Mm -hmm. And we came up with an all 32 NFL draft. And it right. was awesome. You and I had a great time with it. We broke it up into four podcasts and spread out the segments yep. and loved it. And then, and I never got a chance to respond to this. And it's been under, it's been a burn my saddle of <laughs> being my bonnet, um, a monkey in my wrench for a while, but you and John, uh, Mark talked about it on Texans All Access one night, and you just said, you, you explained who your running backs were, and he's like, oh, those are the best two. 
you're gonna win. You're gonna kill him. It's there's no chance. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Did you hear who I have? Yeah. So I I thought about it because there have been some fun things that have happened, and people have chimed in about like Jim Irsay is what made me think of this. He just for some reason after the Jim Brown death, he gave his top five players of all time, and he didn't have Peyton Manning on it. Yeah. And then he went back and amended it, but he had three or four of my team that I drafted on his top five. And I thought about sending it to you and thinking, oh, let's see Jim Irsay. Jim Irsay agrees with you. What do you think about that? John? Mark's on my side. Jim Irsay's on yours. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what kind of stamp of approval that is. Um, but yeah, the, the fact that he just gave out his random top five is is kind of interesting, but yeah, the fact that the fact that he forgot Peyton Manning, I always thought was uh, was uh, intriguing in some way, shape, or form. And it was not one; it was not a decision that I wanted to make because we talked long, we talked long and hard about this about the Colts because obviously franchises have been in different locations, and you know there were the Baltimore Colts and you had so many different players that you could pick from. And then you had the Indianapolis Colts, which almost feels like a completely different franchise, but, but isn't. And yeah. I think it kind of showed in the way we drafted you went in the Wayback machine and you drafted Jim Parker, of the Baltimore Colts. Whereas I was stuck with, I say stuck. I never, it's funny. Peyton Manning's kind of taken on Larry bird status. I hated Larry bird growing up, hated him. Hated, hated, hated Larry Bird growing up. But as I got older and I got to college and obviously I went to, to school, you know, 45 minutes from Boston, I started to appreciate Larry Bird. And then it got to a point where I was like, man, what was I thinking? That guy's everything I want in, in a basketball player or a player. Peyton Manning was like that group for me. Like I couldn't stand him. Couldn't beat Florida, um, you know, when he was at Tennessee. And, and I lived, you know, Jacksonville is only about an hour and 15, hour and 20 um, on game day, it's like two hours from, from Gainesville. And so I had been in that building to see him play against, uh, against Florida. And he just got, he just got crushed. And I always felt like Peyton got so much more attention because he was Archie's son and all that. Mm -hmm. Peyton lived up to it. There's no, there's no question, but I think years after he left the game, I think I've appreciated him more. And so making the pick of him. Peyton Manning for me as my quarterback, I, I felt okay with that. I felt all right with that. And, and obviously you could add the quarterback from, from any given teams, any given team. But I think Colts were interesting because you went with the Baltimore guy. I went with the Indianapolis guy um, and quarterback is the one you feel like, okay. Um, if you have all these other positions, you have to have a great quarterback, et cetera. Our two quarterbacks ended up being Peyton Manning and John Elway. Yeah. I was partial. I've always been partial to Elway. Yeah. And the, the, the irony is, I would never have wanted a Peyton Manning, i.e. a guy that just stood in the pocket and just delivered. Yeah. I would have wanted a guy like John Elway. Um, but I wanted somebody – I wanted my pass rush to be big time. And so that's why I went with Von Miller. And so, like you said, once you had a player from that particular team, you couldn't take – you couldn't take a player – another player. Yeah. So I had Elway and Von Miller up there, and I was like, man, what do I do? And I ended up going with Von Miller and you ended up going with John Elway. It was your last pick. It was your last pick. Yep. Pick 32, John Elway, which was smart because at that point it was just a matter of picking which team you wanted to go with. And that was the tricky part in all this because I kind of played the game a little bit because I couldn't figure out who to take for the Bengals. I knew one guy. I knew one player. And you got him. 
And I went and took him. I think I took him number one because I felt like I'm not going to get a quality player with this franchise. Plus, this guy's in a priority position. I got to go with Anthony Munoz. I got to take him number one. So it was kind of some gameplay and the fact that I had a priority position player, but there was no other player to pick. So that's the way I looked at it. And so I ended up going Munoz first, which I know a lot of people are like, no, you take your quarterback first. You got to get you. No, it's like, no, no, no you got to kind of play for, the game a little for bit this here. Exercise, for this you exercise, needed, you had you to, to take, take that into account. You needed to pinpoint franchises that had one clear-cut right. way best. Exactly. Because what I did, I I took Darrell Revis from the Jets. Yes. Pretty the, darn early. You're I exactly think. right. The Jets didn't have many. Oh, and Lawrence Taylor, too. I took him second overall because think about, name the greatest giant ever. I mean, he's you got to. He's the greatest giant. But they, who's the best of that for him? Um, you got to go in a way back. Who did I end up taking from the Giants? I took. Um, oh, I rated, I took. Oh, you know who I took from the Falcons? Deion Sanders. Who's the best Falcon yeah, right. for him? Right. And that was another thing that we like, battled hey, with this was, Julio Jones? okay, which guy do you kind of claim? Like, where does Randy Moss go? And we we both kind of agreed on, you know, where we would where we would place guys. Okay, he's I think Michael. he's more so with this guy. I ended up going Michael Strahan with the New York Giants. Yeah. I felt like the Giants had – the Giants were going to have some guys maybe in the, in the way back machine. You know, you might – you might could do a, you know, a Frank Gifford is kind of a flex player or something like that, but it really doesn't do much for this exercise because everybody's like Frank Gifford. I just remember him married well, to Kathy Lee and, and what, that's where you go. What we did with this was listen. Yeah. If you, if you throw Frank Gifford onto this team with current guys, he's going to get squished, right. but it was more who they were during their time right, right. and their impact. So, right. you know, I, I took Jim Brown very, very early. Right. Cause my, I, I grew up, my dad always said that's the best football player he'd ever seen. So he was my third overall pick. Because think about it, after him, who are you going to take from the Browns? Joe Thomas? I think that's who you Yeah, take. I think Joe Thomas ended up being uh, – who, who did I take? Uh, I think you did take I think him. I ended up taking Joe Thomas. Which, I mean, he's a good pick, but I'll take Jim. Yeah, Robert. I took Joe Thomas. Yeah. And then from the Bears, I took Walter Payton. So, And you could see the philosophy of mine. Like, you did a really cool thing here. You put in parentheses. You go back and do this, and, and we'll put it up on our Twitter so yep. you guys can see it if you haven't. Um, you put where that player was taken. And you can see where we, you know, ended up taking those particular players. And for me, I went O-line at one, two, five, six, and seven. And then Joe Thomas was my 21st pick. Because I felt like I had I had a few Browns, but I wasn't totally sure about that. Yep. I think I had Ozzie Newsome and a few others that were, on, that were on my board. But I just feel like Joe Thomas was that guy. Um, so I went one, two, five, six, seven, then 21, 29. I ended up going with Willie Rowe for the New Orleans Saints. Because I did, I did go back and forth about whether I should. I had Peyton Manning and Drew Brees, like those are the two I was looking at, mm -hmm. and I didn't really like any of the other Colts for the most part because I already kind of filled positions. So I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go with Manning. I'll figure out the Saints later, which sometimes in a draft isn't the best way to go about yeah, things. Yeah. I'll draft this guy now and I'll figure it out later. Uh, you can go through life with sometimes like that, but a draft, ugh, you better have a plan. So I got to the Saints. I'm like, oh boy. But luckily, the Saints had a couple of players, so I was able to take Willie Rofe. But this is a really fun exercise for sure um, to do this. So we'll, we'll post this on our Twitter so you can see it. And I really like my defense because I've got Lawrence Taylor, Reggie White playing games, plus Deacon Jones. Like my starting line, I'd go with a five-man front. Mm -hmm. I would have Reggie White and Deacon Jones at the edges. In the middle, I'd have Mean Joe Green and Bob Lilly. And then I'd have Lawrence Taylor just kind of playing like – an edge rusher just yeah. around playing games with guys. And then I'd have Ray Lewis as my linebacker, linebacker, off ball linebacker. And then you got a secondary of 
Deion Sanders, Darrell Revis, Night Train Lane. And I'd throw probably Jalen Ramsey and Ronnie Lott out there. So oh, like you did Ramsey as a Jaguar. I did. Yeah, yeah. 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 My I, I'd like to think my front. I mean, obviously there were two Texans taken, and you can all guess who they were. Yeah, you got Watt. I, I got, got Watt and and uh Drew got Dre. And so my defensive front ended up being I took Watt third overall for me. Yep. My my three picks. So Good I went pick. offensive line one and two. And then I knew I had to get, I knew I wanted, I mean, I, it was water or Dre. I mean, I knew that. And I felt like, you know what? I'm going to strike early and get Watt. So I, I built on the line. So I went JJ Watt, Bruce Smith, Von Miller on the outside. Strahan, you know, was an outside guy too, but he could go inside too. But I also took Aaron Donald with the Rams, which, because, yeah. which I always, I always look back and I think, because, you know, there's that draft with Clowney and there was always the question of as Donald got, to Aaron Donald status, it was like, man, what if they would have put Watt with Donald? Mm -hmm. Now, that never, I mean, that's revisionist history. Nobody ever, there, there are probably some people going, oh, no, I said that. I said, no, you didn't. No, they didn't. No, you did not. Um, Aaron Donald, that offseason, rose like a phoenix. I mean, he was, I don't want to say he was coming from out of nowhere. He had a tremendous season. But it was when he got to the Senior Bowl where he went to a completely different level, and his game has just continued to do that. But I always envisioned Watt with Donald. Like, what would that have, what would that have looked like? Holy cow, we can wreck shop. And so I went with it. So I had Watt, Bruce Smith, Michael Strand, Aaron Donald. I did go with Cortez Kennedy. Um, and then off the edge, I had uh, Von Miller. So my pass rush would be Watt, Donald, Bruce Smith, and Von Miller, which – in bad with the back of a Michael Strand. So I felt, I felt pretty good about that. So with all that in mind, you can pick any player, any one player from your squad that you drafted and add him to this 2023 Houston Texan squad. Who would it be? I got three guys in mind and I, I, I would flip a three-sided coin. Okay. I think it would come up with Jerry Rice. Okay. But I drafted Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, Julio Jones. And all three of them, I could see them fitting for all particular and different reasons. You could put either any of those three. Any of those three. And so that's why I was flipping my three-sided coin that, like you said, doesn't exist. But I, I, in my mind, I can make it exist. I think I would go with Jerry Rice because he was a certified badass. That's why. And he would help this receiver core. There's no doubt about that. All right. A big thanks to Drew for stopping by. To Scotty Q, to Juice, to Michael Dieter, to Mark Vandermeer, to all of you for listening. Thank you so much. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. As always, go Texans.